Welcome to the Fourth Right Gaming Podcast, making gaming content for gamers by gamers. This week we're going to be talking about one of the major news stories that just broke out. I'm your host Ian, and with me today is David, who will probably be running uh, most of the show since he did most of the research on this story. Take it away, Dave. Yeah, so I mean, we were kind of talking about how in the news recently, Sony had announced that the PlayStation Store will officially be closing this year on July tw- uh, July second, twenty twenty one, right? So this coincides with the PSP sunsetting as well, with the Vita closing on August 27th of 2021. So we wanted to basically take this time to provide you with a list of recommended games to purchase as the PS3 owners will specifically lose access to over 700 digital-only games. Now, as far as it's been announced, this only impacts your ability to make purchases of games, and you'll still be able to download previously purchased titles There also haven't been any announcements at this time regarding game servers being taken offline, so any games with servers still online won't be impacted by this news. Also, as long as you're a PlayStation Plus member, you'll still be able to download the titles you got through PlayStation Plus that are in your collection. Also, I do want to note that um, the online store on the web is no longer available, and doesn't have these platforms listed. So you basically need to connect um, the console online to get your old purchases. So please note that certain titles cannot be purchased digitally, like Metal Gear Solid 4 or Heavy Rain. Titles that were once on the store as well have been removed, but can still be downloaded. This is like X-Men Arcade, Burnout Paradise, Outrun, Scott Pilgrim, or even Marvel vs. Capcom 2. So those you can still re-download at this time through the PlayStation Store. Sony hasn't really made any announcements as to how those downloads are going to shift once the store is offline. I'm assuming that they'll probably still have a store online for downloads only. Um, Now, there are also certain titles that are only available via disc in certain regions. We'll kind of tap into this here and there for a few titles. But leaving the digital versions in many cases will be your best option. And we'll cover those as well. Um, I'm, I'm sure the retro market will start seeing these games in a more limited supply now that PS3 titles have seen price increases following this announcement from Sony. And one last thing here is please note that to keep things focused, we're mainly covering on PSC exclusives or titles that offered a worthwhile experience to PS3 owners. We are going to tap into like maybe a handful of PSP and Vita titles just to kind of fill out some gaps and for those who want a more complete collection. But um it's worth noting that you can play some of these games through PS PS Now, which is on the PS4 and PS5, right? Like PS3 games, for example. But PS3 games and PS2 games bought through the PS PlayStation 3 store, um, PlayStation 1 titles bought through the PlayStation 4, uh, 3 store, do not play on a PS4 or PS5. So PS3 store purchase titles are not backwards compatible on the PS4 or PS5. So... Just felt that that was important to kind of have in this discussion. So if you're going to import these games on the PS3 into your collection, make sure you kind of keep these things in mind. So a lot of games here to cover. I'd also add, though, that with um, the stuff that you get on PlayStation Now, check to see if it's something you can actually download or if it's streamable. Because uh, a lot of the games in the PS Now library and some of the older ones are only streamable. And they use the OnLive service uh, that was private company a while ago playstation bought them up is using their tech for that and they're depending on your speed you can have some lack controller lag uh with that service so check if it's streamable or if it's downloadable yeah it's a good point be aware of uh your upload and download speed in megabits per second and the 
the ping is probably the main thing I would say check in on your internet um, if you're going to go the streaming route because that's going to decide your latency, which determines how quick a button press will show up in the game. Um, so we got a good bit to cover here, so let's jump into this. So kind of starting with the digital only section, uh, we're going to go through these games alphabetically to kind of keep this clean, but we're going to start with Castlevania Lords of the Shadows Mirror of Fate. And this is a great remaster of a fun game. If you like Castlevania, you could also check out Castlevania Harmony of Despair, Lament of Innocence, and the PS1 classic Symphony of the Night. Granted, Symphony of the Night is probably, blessed, probably best to play on the PS1, but it's still pretty good to have this in your collection on the PS3 with a digital download. Um, another game here is Critter Crunch. Critter Crunch is a nice little puzzle game. Um, I'm trying to remember what other puzzle game this is really like, but this is kind of like a fun little game, visually appealing, like a Peggle, t uh, Peggle type of title. Uh, Echo Chrome. This is an MC Escher puzzle style game where you solve puzzles by making unbelievable environments and, and, and little layouts of the, of the game itself work visually in place at certain camera angles. And that's how you basically defeat each level. If you're familiar with MC Escher, he, his art is very visually impossible, but somehow visually appealing, and it works on, on yeah, paper. Yeah, think of um, like the movie Labyrinth or the endless staircases that go in all directions. That's MC Escher-type style stuff. Um, or just Google his name. You'll immediately see like the endless stairs picture. That's what he's probably most known for. So um, it's a very interesting puzzle game. I've, I've heard of it. Uh, and people have praised it just because it deals with a lot of impossible geometry or paradox uh, visual effects. Yeah, and um, and uh, yeah, and the one thing I would say is it's not a very strong visual game. Um, it's a very good game, I would say, but it's just not very strong visually. It's a lot of black and white maps with a white background. You basically have like a the environment and the characters moving on screen in black. So if you like colorful games, I'd, I'd probably check it out first, look at some screenshots and stuff, see if you're interested in it. Yeah, and basically if you're if when, if you're an engineer type person, you'll love this type of game because it's like <laughs> a blueprint schematics. also want to add with the Castlevania uh, Mirrors of Fate. Mirrors of Fate is actually a title that's kind of in between the story of Castlevania, Lords of Shadow, and the sequel. So if you are a fan of Castlevania, like the Lord of Shadow uh, series is actually really, really good. Um, it definitely takes Castlevania in time, kind of a different uh, world where it's more of a 3D action game versus a, a side-scroller. Um, but it tells an interesting story that I'm not going to spoil for you because it's something we can just talk about in a later one because that actually is a decent franchise. Um, but I believe it's Lord of Shadows... A Mirrors of Fate, and then the next one in the line is uh, Castlevania Lords of Shadow 2. Uh, so, if you want the whole story, check all that out for sure. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, definitely some good games to add. If you like Castlevania, that, that Vania-style gameplay. Um, this next one's a little more obscure, but it was an early title, and that's Everyday Shooter. And I really like this game, to be honest. Um, Everyday Shooter, I'm trying to think of a good way to describe it, but it's it's like Asteroids... But it's like music. So you kind of have this, um, oh God, I forget the word when things are kind of like visual and sound at the same time. But it's you kind of have this really cool synchronization between what you play and the map is kind of in a rhythm and things kind of happen with the enemies in rhythm with the song. You kind of make these really interesting tracks. Um, yeah, I would just recommend check it out. Everyday Shooter, great little game. I believe it was mainly designed by one guy. Um, and then... 
another game made by a really great studio, Flower. Really cool game. Probably one of the few games, in my opinion, that really made good use of the six-axis controller in the PS3, where you can actually rotate the controller, and you're basically like a, um, a bundle of flower. The yeah, a bunch of flower petals and leaves kind of just moving through this environment, and you can steer it with the controller. And it's actually really relaxing, kind of like a Tai Chi exercise. Yeah, it's definitely up there as far as like games like um, you have Flower, and you got to say like Journey is probably another one that's kind of like it's really chill, relaxed game to kind of play and like f- feel like it's the game's playing playing you almost because that is like you said the only the only game that I would say I actually even like uh, playing uh, with the six axis on there because it feels so natural to do so. Where everything else like six axis is always like just shoveled into some other game that just never feels right. Whenever they make you use it, so Flower is I think it was was wasn't necessarily a launch title, but came out shortly after the PS3 um, came out, and it's definitely one of the their kind of a benchmark title to play for when it launched. Yeah, it's definitely more of the art house title, and one reason why I felt like it was so strong to talk about the PS3, especially, is it was really very much an art house console. You know, Xbox saw a lot more action FPSs. But the PS3 saw a lot of these art house titles, you know, Everyday Shooter, Echo Chrome, Flower. Those are just three of them, right? We're only we're not even through the whole list. There's a few more in here, but a lot of good like art and music connected titles uh, that kind of make it really interesting. Uh, synesthesia. That was the word I was thinking about earlier with Everyday Shooter. By the way, it's like you kind of have this blend of visual and sound. Flower isn't really so strong like that, but very very cool. I would check it out. You could probably even just look at a video gameplay of it to kind of see if you're interested in it. Um, it's probably dirt cheap too, though, if they're selling it at the store. Yeah, I probably should look at some of these prices. Most of these games are honestly been pretty cheap when I've looked yeah. at them, like ten so bucks. Basically, the older the game is, the more likely they'll go on sale for like three to four bucks or be under ten dollars. Um, but just because they're old games doesn't mean that uh, you should discredit them. These are some really cool uh, gameplay experiences, as you said. The PS3 was more of art house like us. Uh, platform and like sony's always been about hey we have exclusives 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 so a lot of arty games landed on their platform more than uh xboxes uh and that goes back to our discussion last week about kind of how game pass is changing that um but yeah that's why it's important like try and grab some of these styles if you once these are gone it's gonna be hard to track them down again you know yeah yeah, and speaking of games that are hard to track down, this next one, Fatal Frame Series. They basically re-released the, the PS2 classics. They're not remasters, mind you, but they're re-releases of PS2's Fatal Frame 1 through 3. Really good horror games. You know, I would kind of put them in the same ballpark as Silent Hill. Uh, you're basically using a camera, camera Obscura, which is how you fight these evil spirits, and you take photos of them using special film to basically cause harm to them and defeat them as you kind of go through this environment. We play the crap out of this game. By the basically, way. They're, they're ghost games where your only way to fight the ghost is to look at them. So <laughs> that's why it's kind of a unique uh, horror, like horror genre game because it has good atmosphere. They're always kind of scary, and they force you to look at the stuff you don't want to see. When, while playing through it. I mean, lots of you use, like, really good scares in that game, too. Uh, so that's definitely a good series to check out. Yeah, all three games are really good. I would I would definitely look at some gameplay to kind of figure out which one you want to play more. Um, I believe they have more than Beyond the Three titles released. It's just not on the PS3 and PS2, but those three are a great purchase for a horror fan. 
Um, you know, another one here, God Hand, which is another PS2 re-release. This is a 3D brawler that offers like arcade-like fun. Great for fans of beat-em-ups. Uh, I wish I could really go into more description, but I feel like that's that's the best way I would describe it. It's very simple, very arcadey. You just kind of go in, beat people up, and proceed. Kind of like a Double Dragon sort of scenario, but it's a 3D brawler. Really good, just kind of simple arcade fun. You're not going to be grinding or nothing like that, so to speak. I enjoyed it. I don't know if you've ever played God Hand, but I, I thought it was pretty fun. Um, now, another game here which is basically a continuation of the Contra series, Hard Corpse Uprising. Hard Corpse Uprising was a really good game. Um, it's it's interesting because this game kind of adopted more of a 3D presentation than a lot of, you know, the, uh, the previous titles to this. This was kind of like a next-gen approach to it. And this game also is on the 360, but... I personally thought this was a good game worth having in a collection if you like the previous Contras. I, I would even say like this this one is in the top three, you know, along with the original Contra and Contra Hard Corps if you're you're kind of masochistic. <laughs> but uh, Contra is a Hard Corps Uprising. Great game to add to the collection. Um, and then, of course, some of these games I would recommend for PlayStation Move players. And the first one on this list here is House of the Dead 3 and 4. These are great ports of the arcade games, and best are played with the PlayStation Move, in my opinion. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but there's a gun peripheral that will hold your move and the navigation controller and kind of put them in one, so you can kind of hold it and, and aim it. Um, the PlayStation Move is a very great peripheral, if you ask me. Um, highly recommend House of the Dead 3 and 4, especially if you like the previous two House of the Dead games. Those um, games, I would say, though, is mainly... House of the Dead games are, if you like... Like our big arcade boost shooters that you can play, like at uh, Dave and Buster's or at or, or, or at in like arcade that's still around. Um, if you like that experience, that takes that experience and brings it home. Don't think don't think there's some like deep complicated story or like moving characters or anything you really have to pay attention to. Uh, it's not that type of game. Uh, it's definitely not based off the movie, but you can see why the movie is so bad because the games don't really have a good story either. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's the arcade experience in your living room, basically. Um, and they don't make games like that anymore. Uh, well, basically, period, nowadays. New generations don't have games like that at all. Yeah, it's a really good game. It's it's fun to play just with a friend, you know, and just kind of play for 30 minutes, play for an hour, whatever. Play with your girlfriend. You know, I play with my wife. Um, we have two moves. If you have two sets of moves, it is co-op supporting, so highly recommend you get two sets of move controllers. Good luck um, finding them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got lucky getting them. You know, if, if you're kind of looking for them, I would actually recommend checking out, like, a thrift store. Um, you know, I've been able to get some of them. I've heard friends get them for as cheap as 7 bucks for a single move controller. The only danger, I would say, is if you're interested in the move, Beware of the battery. The battery kind of has issues with longevity, but you can always crack it open and replace the battery. Yeah, the one thing you'll probably guarantee to find at the thrift store are like moves and like rock band gear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely rock. <laughs> Guitar hero, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> um now I'm not sure how well you remember Infamous One, but Infamous had this really good DLC that, in my opinion, was better than both Infamous One and Infamous Two. When I say better, I really just mean more fun. It didn't take itself so seriously. Um, now, 
This DLC was called Infamous Festival of Blood, and you can purchase the Infamous game on disc or digitally, right? But this DLC adds a storyline where vampires have swarmed the city, and the hero Cole has been bitten, leaving him with one night to find and kill the head vampire. Personally, would recommend this for those who kind of like that GTA-style open-world gameplay. You know, um, Infamous 1, it's really more like he has lightning that goes through him, and that's kind of like how he fights things. Uh, but in this this vampire world it's really fun i don't want to spoil too much of it because if you watch some gameplay footage of it you'll know exactly what i'm talking about like i said this game does this dlc does not take itself seriously it's a great add-on to the game highly recommend it if you just kind of like something that's fun in an open world style uh, environment yeah if this uh, is one of those uh few uh, game series out there i think the the first one is definitely a really good example of here's a comic book game that's not based off of like a comic book property that you know of um, really, really uh, cool experience. The second one was very good. You get a PlayStation 4, and that's when you have uh, the latest Infamous, which was just kind of mad, in my opinion. Um, second one, Son, two, yeah. Yeah. One, two, and like this DLC are great, great things to get into. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned earlier Journey, right, from the same developers, Flower. Journey is such a great game, and it's hard to really describe what this game is like. You're basically going through, it's like a platformer puzzle, the only ability you have really is to to jump and kind of glide and you can make these kind of calls in when someone so this is going to be tough but this game is released on other platforms but personally i would recommend it if you are a ps3 owner one thing that makes this game so unique and so special is when you're traveling through you can't just invite somebody else to play this game and i think this is to me one of the difficult things when it does go offline if it's uh, and i apologize for not checking if it was offline already but this game, people kind of come in and out of your world. And this guy felt like he'll I'll use his story as the best example to kind of play the story because how you play the game kind of gives you something to take away from you. And when people help me play this game, I would then play it again and kind of help players who were kind of stuck. But the funny thing is, is like you would kind of lose other players. And then you like when you try to find them again, you can't find them. So it's kind of like this weird you know, you're not even talking to them, but you have this weird attachment to these unknown players. And this guy, I thought he had a great story about how when he was playing the game, this guy was helping him and helping him and helping him. And then he was by himself for like a good chunk of the game. And then at the very end, he managed to run into the same player again, which you're kind of able to tell if it's the same person based on A, the way they behave. And two, everybody kind of has a slightly different look. Um, it's hard to describe, but the other players you meet will have a different look. And there'll only be one other player in your game. And when this guy said he met the guy, lost him, and then met him again, it kind of reminded him how his father, who had passed away, that even though he's gone, he's always with him, which I think is such a deep thing to extrapolate from a game experience. You just don't hear that stuff very much. And I think that really speaks to both the artistry, the design, and simplicity of Journey. Really great game. It takes place in a, essentially a, a desert-like environment. Um Music's very enchanting. The visuals are very charming. It's very simplified art style. Highly recommend it if you want that art house experience. And, and Flower is like a great evolution of how they went from Flower to Journey, which is such a great game. I don't know how, how familiar you are with, with the Journey or if you beat it, but I, I just thought it was an amazing game. Yeah, I played it. It's really good. That's it, definitely one that belongs on this list of games people should, be, should have in their collection before it goes away. Yeah, and, and speaking of games that are a great cohesive experience, Luminous Supernova. 
right? It's a, basically a mix of Tetris and music, <laughs> like house music almost, I would say. And my friend Ken, who, who you know, he absolutely loves this game. And you can even make your own beats in the game. I mean, really great game. Um, I believe it's since then been released on other platforms, but I own it on the PS3. Really good game to play, especially if you like Tetris and, and good music. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Lumines series, but there's a, quite a few of them out. No, I haven't played any of them. Yeah, if you dig music, Tetris, go ahead and check it out. You could even watch gameplay of it. It's a great thing just to kind of watch and listen to. Now, this this next series you kind of mentioned to me, and I'm too not unfamiliar, but I'll let you speak more about it. But yeah, Persona so like, Two, <clears throat> yeah, Persona yeah. Two, uh, which is uh, on PS3, is out there. And then this is a series that I've only actually really played Persona Five, but people who love these games love these games. It's like its own crazy mass fan base. So. Um, best way to describe it is like old school turn-based Final Fantasy uh, gameplay uh, with a mix of a like life simulator uh, with a really compelling anime art style to it. Um, five is probably the most iconic right now, one that everybody talks about because that's the most recent one. But people have been following this game since it first came out on the Nintendo handheld systems. The same type of... Uh, gameplay and uh life simulation mix there so play it try a demo of it um and if you like it you're probably gonna like all the games in the series if you don't then maybe it's just not for you but it's one of those ones that has such a huge fan following that like when special editions go on sale for this like they're gone in a second because that that fan base is so ravenous for when they want more and more and more (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's it's from Atlas. They're a great art studio and game designer studio. Um, you know, I, I would say even most of the games, they the worst game they make is decent. The best games they make are amazing. And yeah, I've seen footage of this. I'm personally more familiar with the Catherine title, which is pretty fun. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Persona 2, Shin Megami Tensei 1 and 2. And there's also the Shin Megami Tensei If series. Uh, definitely check those out if you're into any of those games. Um, and this next one's a more another art style game or art house style game, Rain. This is a little amazing platformer puzzle game with lovely classical music to it. A lot of original music was made for this game. And the story follows a boy that's only seen within the rainfall in, in this little town. And he just so happens to see a girl that's only visible when she's in the rain as well. This eventually leads to the two beginning to work together until they're finally united. Now, this is a single-player game. Um, the soundtrack, I would say, is worth owning. Um, my wife, Brittany, she actually beat the whole game, and I watched her play the whole game. We're actually talking about playing it again because it's not a game that takes a long time to beat, but between the art and the music, it's such a great experience to kind of play, especially if on a rainy day, to be honest. We, we, we played this a lot when we were in Seattle. It's a great game. Um, you could check out some footage of it. Uh, really good art house style game. Good visuals. Great music. Great, great music. Might even be probably the best music out of this entire list of, of any game I personally play that I still listen to. Now, this next title, or more, yeah, this next title in, in game series is probably something everyone's familiar with, but Ratchet and Clank Quest for Booty. <laughs> now, what's weird is I actually got this game when I bought uh, Ratchet and Clank into the Nexus. It came for free with it. So that might be something you want to look into if you're interested in that. There's also the PS2 remaster on the PS3, Ratchet Deadlocked HD. Fun game as well. Um, yeah, the Ratchet and Clank series, that's been a staple for PlayStation. That's like one of the, from PlayStation 1, I think they probably had a game 
uh, maybe or, play, or from PlayStation Two on. But it's a pretty big franchise. It's up there with um, Crash Bandicoot or even like Mario and Sonic. Like Ratchet and Clank is the PlayStation equivalent of a long running franchise that gets better and better with every title. And people constantly will go back and replay it, the old titles as well too. I would also say that it, it, the terms of the narrative, it plays out like a Saturday morning cartoon, but the weapons are probably the best part of this. You know, this is made by Insomniac Games, you know. Um, it's one of the games that made Insomniac Games what they are today is this game. And, like, they have, like, some of the best uh, game commercials of all time, which were, like, like real-life demos of, like, these wacky weapons that would turn people into a chicken or it was a giant <laughs> magnet. It'd always be, like, kids in the backyard saying, hey, we're going to try out this Megatron. And then it always says, oh, my God, you're pulling down a plane. It's shot, like, gorilla-style live action in somebody's backyard. They're probably some of the funniest commercials out there for video games. Um, but this franchise, like I said, great. Everybody uh, really digs it. Um, and some of the people constantly go back to and... Once you play one of them, you'll probably want to play all of them, and you won't be able to wait for the new one to come out. Yeah, definitely check out some gameplay footage of those games, but very fun. I think my favorite gun, I'm failing to remember which one it was, but I believe it was called the Black Hole Gun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now, going into another PlayStation Move title, Resident Evil Chronicles HD. Highly recommend this to PlayStation Move gun owners, or PlayStation Move owners, should I say. Uh, this basically is you playing across the Resident Evil series, and it's actually two games I want to add. It's Resident Evil Umbrella Chronicles and Resident Evil Dark Side Chronicles. Now, Umbrella Chronicles really follows the early Resident Evil titles, whereas Dark Side Chronicles is a little later in the series. Um, bear in mind, this is kind of before the more recent titles you've seen, you know, even like Resident Evil 5, for example. This precedes a lot of that stuff. Um, but. This title was also available on the Wii, but personally, the PlayStation 3 version looks the best. It also has a higher resolution. Um, for those who are interested in owning this on disc, it was released in Japan. Uh, I don't know if it has English support, but PS3 games are region-free. So if that's something you're interested in, you can play this on your PS3 as long as your um, your disc drive is still working and you have a working disc copy of it. Um, but... I actually think it's pretty fun. Um, granted, I actually want to say that the Umbrella Chronicles and, and Dark Side Chronicles, I probably enjoyed the Dark Side Chronicles one a little more than Umbrella Chronicles. I just felt like it was a little more polished. Might be because it was released later, but that's just my personal experience on it. I would recommend that one more for a PlayStation uh, move. You can buy just one, but you know if you're going to be complete, might as well buy both of them. They're, they're both pretty fun to play, two-player support. Um, and Another fun one-player PlayStation Move game is Sorcery. This game does such a great job of making you feel like you're wielding um, like magic in your hands. And I would say part of the enhancement comes from the fact that the Move controller is lit up in various colors. Really fun game, mind you. And, and I think it's also worth adding uh, to those who do pick up the Move, you do need the camera. Um, probably should have mentioned that earlier, but the PlayStation Eye, that's what you'll need on your ps3 to make the move get picked up it basically measures the distance and um yeah i don't know if you ever saw sorcery ian but i actually really enjoyed it i didn't beat it i actually need to go back i remember seeing demos of i've never had a chance to play it because i didn't really have a move you've been the person like (laughs) obsessed with move where i was like cool the connect's great i don't have to have any peripherals but it 
does a meh job at tracking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that was the one disappointment I would say was the 360 in comparison. Is yeah, we, a lot we, of these games could have ran on it if it had a gun. Yeah, we definitely uh, should do a whole episode just on the cool peripherals that have come out and some of them that have died out and where they could have gone. Um, but yeah. yeah, I haven't played Sorcery. I definitely saw gameplay of it and saw how people like that concept feeling like a wizard. Um, our next game is Sound and Shapes, fun little music game featuring tracks by Beck, whom, uh, what, they made one of your favorite roles in the game? Actually, yeah, I actually haven't played that game. Sound Shapes is cool. It was actually recommended by our buddy, you might know him, Kenan, who's okay. up in, the, in your area too. And he recommended because he was like, hey, man, you like Beck? I'm like, yeah, I love music. We always talk about music whenever we talk. And he was telling me, like, dude, there's this game where it's like a synesthesia type of game, right? And you can actually download like tracks of people playing this game and it's actually really catchy i wish i had a great way to, to kind of describe this game it's another synesthesia game where the level creates music and it's in this weird rhythm and beck's songs in particular is very catchy very fun and i would say the game's kind of lighthearted. there's a lot of tracks in it but beck's track i i love playing that one over and over again because i like that song but you're basically just moving through a level and everything you do creates a sound or a musical note, which can also make it kind of follow in a loop because you're kind of on like a 4-4 style. If For those who kind of know music, you're on this like 4-4 rhythm, and then it kind of makes things kind of go in that loop rhythm, like almost like you're messing around on um, like software that makes music like a Fruity Loop sort of deal. So, I, I, I mean, it's definitely check it out. Just look at some gameplay, and I think you'll know instantly if this is something you want to play. But Sound Shapes is cool. And uh, some of the you know the old classic SquareSoft games that came out, um, you won't, if you don't have the original ones that were out, this will be your only chance to get them. Like Final Fantasy five through nine is going to be on there, Final Fantasy Origins, Final Fantasy Tactics, uh, Chrono Trigger, and Chrono Cross are two other huge titles by Square Enix from, from back in the day that people who played it will not shut up about it. People who haven't <laughs> played it. Like myself, I've never, I've never played Chrono Trigger, but I hear people who have, and they like they talk about like Zelda fans talk about Zelda, so um, all great games. Um, and I've always been a fan of the whole Final Fantasy uh, franchise, at least up till eight. <laughs> that kind of fell off. Yeah, I won't fight you. I, I actually really liked. I personally preferred Final Fantasy V on Super <laughs> NES, but the problem was is I don't think it ever had a U.S. release, so I had to to play like a translated version of it right uh it eventually and, did but it comes out as a different title or something oh okay i yeah. i just remember i never seeing it there there's one on there's a P playstation version that came out afterwards that has all um cgi cutscenes instead of uh how it was originally done um and that's like the one that was not released in uh the u.s originally so that your only way yeah. to get it is this new updated one with the cgi cutscenes and shit yeah, and I would say if you're Chrono Cross is kind of like a continuation of the series, but if you're going to choose between Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross, go Chrono Trigger. I feel like the story is more compelling. Chrono Cross didn't really feel as, I don't want to say unique, but it didn't have that same level of charm and compelling entertainment that Chrono Trigger did. But maybe that's part of kind of what it was. And um, I believe Akira Toriyama, he also did a lot of the art design of the characters, who's basically known for Dragon Ball Z. Um, he did a lot of the character design, so a lot of people who kind of like anime will see some similarities between this game and the characters and his type of art style. Um, now, this game is 
this next game here, I know we just accidentally skipped this. Uh, I kind of added some at the last minute here, but Unfinished Swan. I wish I had a great way to describe this game because I remember people would play this game at my house when I showed it to them, and they would tell me that, like, this is doing something to my brain that I have no idea how to describe. And that's, that's prob- the one where it's, like, oh, white, and, like, you're spraying a water gun or something in order to find your black way. Black ink, yeah. You're and spraying black ink. black ink, yeah. And so imagine the the whole screen is like this white canvas like Ian's describing and you have this black ink gun and you're a child and you shoot ink and wherever it hits, you start to see things form in the environment. And I, I really wish I had a way to describe it. When you watch it it's on really video, cool. it's not even the same. Yeah. If you're interested in this game and let's say you don't even have a PS3, you can pick it up. It's actually on Steam now to my surprise. I was looking it up and I was like, wow, this is on Steam. That's great. Uh, great game. Um, I remember I actually saw it at E3 back in... Whew, like 2005? Seven, five? I, I oh, yeah, it, was, I, it really is very interesting game to play. It's another one of those art house games. One game like that, game like that's not going to be made again today at all until yeah. like somebody just has money to throw away on a cool idea. Uh, but it's definitely worth, worth playing. It's definitely a unique experience. Yeah, it was an indie title. Now I actually remember it was shown at SIGGRAPH in, uh, I believe, 2007. So check it out if you really want a unique game that's n- unlike anything else that's ever been released. Really great game. And a r- really good story. I don't want to spoil the story because I feel like that's the best part of Unfinished Swan. Unfinished Swan. There's kind of a reason why it's called Unfinished Swan. And uh, if you like a game with a lot of depth and, and really unique gameplay, check out Unfinished Swan. Really great game. And now, the final game on this list for digital-only recommended purchases, Wipeout HD Bundle, and this includes the Fury add-on. Wipeout originally came out on the original PlayStation. If you're looking to pick up probably original PlayStation version, I would recommend Wipeout XL, but Wipeout HD is amazing. And the Fury add-on added on a lot more content that in, in a way feels like it was missing from the original game. But the coolest part of Fury is it adds so many cool features in it. Um, I'm failing to recall this game mode in it, but it basically churns the entire map into this club-like, you know, like concert color scheme. And it just changes every time you level up to the next speed and the next speed and then the next speed. And the whole map does this cool visual appeal that kind of swipes across the whole environment in front of your eyes. It makes it really hard to not crash into the walls. But the whole point of that mode is you go faster and faster until you basically explode. Um, yeah. It's a very fun game. You can put your own custom soundtrack into it. At least you could originally uh, on the PS on PlayStation three uh but like great music great like little uh kind of like racing game um i remember having a lot of fun playing that game quite a bit yeah i was trying to think because there's been a lot of games that have copied it since then and uh the original developers from liverpool they actually have formed a new studio you know the creators and and are working on another version that's kind of in the same vein as what wipeout is because you know this pretty much after fury add-on was released i want to say a couple years after that at most the studio was disbanded but really good concept um if you haven't seen it before you're basically playing these like mini spaceship pods that are like a slick electronic sci-fi cyberpunk looking thing that kind of travel on these racetracks going super fast and you have this like electronic house just bumping in the background it kind of motivates you as you play through the game 
you know, just check it out. It's a really great game. I would recommend it to racing fans or people who just like electronic music even. You could just download a lot of these tracks, you know, and purchase them and, and check them out separately. But Wipeout HD Bundle gives you the standard game plus the Fury add-on. I couldn't recommend it enough to racing fans or fans who just like that cool experience. Um, now... We've discussed the digital copies, but if you're like me and you're concerned about your disk drive kicking the bucket, you might also want to consider buying some of these games as well because you never know when the disk drive will begin to fail. So check out these games which have a digital and disk version release because, you know, at least if you have your digital version on your hard drive and you're taking care of that and you have backup of it, you could always restore, uh, uh, you know, uh, your, your, your games back from a USB to a new hard drive. Not a big issue. So... Disc and digital releases. This next, this first game, honestly, in this part of the list is my favorite gun game, peripheral game, of any game that's ever released. I could probably go on for an hour just reviewing this one game, but Dead Space Extraction. It was originally included with the Dead Space 2 Collector's Edition, and it's the best story-based gun game I have ever played. Um, I still play this to this day. Can't recommend it enough if you own a PlayStation Move. And it... It has a, um, it basically takes place in the world of Dead Space at the beginning of things basically hitting the fan. And it kind of goes from there. We know we talked about this in a previous podcast. And, and one thing I mentioned is like in the very first level, you're going around thinking you're shooting xeno, uh, xenomorphs, sorry, uh, necromorphs. And all of a sudden at the end of the map when you get shot, you realize you weren't shooting necromorphs, you were shooting people the whole time. And this game is really cool how you hop in from character to character to character. You get this really cool environment, you get these really good characters, and um, it, it's cool, like for example, one thing I thought was really fun is you have to shake the move controller to, to use a glow stick when you pick one up because you can't see anything in the darkness. So there's a lot of really good immersion touches they did with the game design. This is, in my opinion, the best you know, light gun style game that ever came out. And the story is amazing. If you're really fast at it, you could beat it under about five hours, I'd say. But if you kind of lose a few times, you could beat it around eight hours, you know, if you want to take your time and enjoy it. Um, I don't know if you've ever played this game again, but I really love this game. I haven't played it, uh, but you definitely uh, speak its praises all the time. Um, next uh, title that we have here is Dragon's Crown, which they did make a PlayStation 4 uh, remaster of it. But I don't know why, because it's not like it changed anything. It's a very unique art style that doesn't. That's not graphically heavy. <laughs> it's just they ported it to PlayStation Four. Um, so great thing about this game: very unique art style. Um, when you play, you understand that why most people refer to it as Dragon Titty, because there's <laughs> a, a big titty sorceress who runs around with her tits bouncing all over the place. Uh, I always, I literally have to look up the name of this game because we just always refer to it as Dragon Titty. I'm like, wait, that's not the name of the game. It's Dragon's Crown. Um, also, great co-op uh, game for up to four players on the couch or uh, I believe online as well. Uh, but if you want a game to sit on the couch and play with your friends, have people over and four people can all play on this like classic uh, side-scrolling uh, beat-em-up game uh, with kind of like swords and sorcery stuff thrown in there so definitely check it out i think really good uh art style with it uh and actually really fun to play with uh friends yeah i'm trying to think of a good way to describe it but it's kind of like a like a D style video game but with a like a really interesting anime art style 
and each of the characters have different abilities and powers, which makes it really fun to play. Um, I didn't know it supported four player, so I'm actually glad you said that because I, I remember playing this only with me and my wife. We never played this with anyone else, but yeah, definitely worth the purchase. And yeah, I'm pretty sure the, it supports up to four people because you can have four teammates, and they can all, I believe, all be on the screen at the same time. It just gets cool. a little bit more, a little bit more crowd, more crazy when you have four people playing. <laughs> yeah, and like Ian was saying, really cool art style. It's very unique. Um, the artist has some some interesting decisions he's made in the design of these characters. Like I said, we call it dragon titty. (laughs) (laughs) And speaking of dragons, dragon's dogma, dark arisen. This is really a re-release of the original dragon's dogma, which has extra content over the vanilla title. Um, I'm trying to think of that, uh, that Mordor game, right? Do you remember that? that... Oh, talking about, uh, shadow of Mordor. Shadow of Mortar, thank you. I would kind of say it's in that sort of realm. It's not really like your Dark Souls, Demon Souls type of game, but it's kind of like in between that sort of recipe. Um, I really enjoyed it, but I, you know, personally, I couldn't see myself playing this game over and over again. But our, our buddy Robert loves this game. He thought it was a lot of fun, and it's it is a fun game. Yeah, Dragon's Dogma: Dark Risen does offer a few uh, unique things to the genre of, of uh, RPGs. Uh, one is that. Uh, in this game, if you, your character can climb on anything, so if there's a giant snake attacking you or a giant monster, you can literally jump on its back, climb it, and then start stabbing it in the head if you want to. Um, very, it's very unique uh, to this where it almost feels a little bit like uh, Shadow of the Colossus when you're climbing up stuff. But like things aren't as big as they are in Shadow of the Colossus. It's just, hey, here's a giant three-headed snake. It's attacking your party. Okay, people are stabbing it. Now you're going to run behind it and try and climb up its back and stab it in the head, right? That's something you can actually do. And then the other big uh, addition that they added to this game was the fact that um, characters can create... You can create a kind of like an NPC character uh, who basically goes... kind of uh, When this game had online connectivity, which I think the newer ones might... Uh, I don't know if the PlayStation 3 version does, but you create a character to kind of go in this void, and people would pick these characters that you created, and they become uh, NPCs in their party. So you can end up grabbing a bunch of followers to help you fight um, that you can't control um, outside of like maybe giving them health items or whatnot, but they'll be characters that other people have made, and they'll just kind of follow you around. I think they call them... I don't know. I think they call them pawns or something, but... It's a kind of a cool concept of like create of people creating characters and then going off on adventures with with other players. Yeah, it's a good uh, like a hack and slash, but with the RPG elements built into it that is really fun for those types. You know, kind of like a Monster Hunter, I would even say it's very much akin to that type of experience and how you have a lot of customization. Yeah, I just remember being able to climb out like on the back of a monster and start hitting it instead of having to like you know just <laughs> slash at their ankles or something like that. Um, yeah. You could actually, oh, cool, I'm doing damage, or hey, it can't reach me because I'm on its back. Those cool type of tactical advantages in that game, which most games nowadays, they don't let you do that. You're just hitting them with your sword or something when it comes to uh, fantasy RPGs. So this is a really good, uh, unique version of a fantasy RPG that they haven't made anything like this since. You know, and speaking of fantasy RPGs, this game is available on both disc and digital, and that's Final Fantasy X and X2. And uh, which is a remaster, and then you also have the Final Fantasy X, uh, sorry, Final Fantasy 13. 13 2. So, great remakes of, of entertaining titles. I, 
I think they're pretty good if you like the Final Fantasy series. Although, uh, I wouldn't recommend the online title Final Fantasy. I believe the server has since been pulled, so make sure you're not buying that. I want to say that was Final Fantasy twelve when I yeah, think Final about Fantasy it. twelve was online that had a that they no longer have the servers running. But being online one, if you're a Final Fantasy fan, is I think fourteen is one that's still going, and they're probably gonna come up with a newer one here soon. Uh, ten was definitely a classic. Ten two was just more time with those characters. I think it, it, everybody describes ten two as uh, like a costume simulator because I guess you're constantly putting the girls in different costumes for different benefits or something. <laughs> it's really weird. I don't know. Like ten's good, and you usually buy ten and ten two uh, together. Uh, Thirteen, it's an acquired taste. If some people who love it love that series of thirteen and thirteen two. Uh, but people who hate it absolutely despise both those games. So check it out and yeah. see if it's something you want to play. <laughs> I was no, not a fan of 13. I'm going to agree with you there. I, I wasn't as big a fan after, I think you said, eight, uh, for me, I think 8. I think was the last strong Final Fantasy for me. But uh, please note that Final Fantasy 13 is only disc only. So 13.2 is available digitally, but not 13, unfortunately. Um. Now, another classic, the God of War series. And this is a bit weird, so I'll try to explain it as best I can. You have the God of War collection, which is the first two PlayStation 2 titles. Then you have God of War Ascension, which is the PS3 title. And then you also have the God of War Collections, which is a port of Ghosts of Sparta and Chains of Olympus from the PSP into a 1080p resolution. So those games are pretty good if you like God of War. It's pretty straightforward, right? It's like a beat-em-up. He yells. He kills people. There's blood rinse and repeat really good combat um yeah it's it's really not that hard to describe god of war if you've seen one you've kind of seen them all just a little different narrative from each one yeah i point again this is the importance of going to, of getting these games now if you can because uh having a digital copy downloaded or at least a physical copy is going to do you better than what's in playstation now i think playstation now has a lot of the game god of war games out there but almost all of them are streaming only, and only one of them is a download. Uh, so you don't have to deal with input lag or anything like that. Definitely get these games while you can. Yeah, and, and some more classics, by the way. Ico and Shadow of Colossus, great remasters. They, I actually have this on PS2 as well, um, but PS3 actually is a pretty good version. There's a PS4 version as well, but the PS3 version I feel like was a good middle ground Um I feel like the control latency was better with the PS3, but maybe that's just me. But Ico and Shadow of Colossus, great games. I personally really love Shadow of Colossus. Ico is a little different from a gameplay standpoint because you're this boy who's guiding this girl through this dangerous world. Shadow of Colossus, like you mentioned earlier, you're basically taking on these giant bosses, which are kind of like a puzzle in and of themselves, and you have to figure out the puzzle so you can take them out. And the remastered versions really good. You buy them together um, on the disc version, but you can buy them separately on the digital. So check those out as well. Ico and Shadow of Colossus. Yeah, Ico is basically if you're more not familiar with these games and you're more familiar with the, the other game that this creator made, which is The Last Guardian. Ico is basically The Last Guardian, but instead of the, la the thing you lead around being this giant wolf bird thing, it's a woman. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a boy leading around this older girl at that. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, and we'll just kind of blip on this next title, Infamous 1 and 2. We mentioned earlier about the Festival of Blood, in my opinion, being the most enjoyable Infamous game, if you will. But Infamous 1 and 2, definitely worth picking up. You can get those digitally or on disc. 
um, you know, once again, they kind of cover it. It's basically an open world game that tries to replicate GTA with superpowers. Granted, I want to say Saints Row 4 has done many of these concepts much better since these games came out, but worth adding to your collection if you like that sort of thing and you're looking for something different. Um, another great gun game, House of the Dead Overkill. Another fun arcade shooter, works with the PS Move. Overkill plays up the cheesiness of the series and defend, d- delivers like a really fun little romp of a game. And also available on the Wii, but the PS3 definitely ran at a higher resolution and highly recommended with the Move. The Move is, is very precise compared to the Wii controllers, which is why I would recommend the, the, the PS3's Move if it's a game that exists on the Wii and the PS3. House of the Dead Overkill, a lot of fun. Um, I don't believe there's a t- like a typing of the dead version of House of the Dead Overkill, which there is on Steam, I know for sure, which is fun. Um, you, you literally type words out to kill. PS3 only got the gun game version, House of the Dead Overkill. Once again, I highly recommend it. Really cheesy gun game. Don't expect a serious story <laughs> or good acting, but fun with the PS move. Um, and probably one of the most immersive PlayStation Move games to ever get released, Okami HD. This was also released on other platforms, but I feel like this was the best version of them all. The PlayStation Move basically acts like a paintbrush, and that's how you do the combat. And the Wii, by comparison, the controls aren't just comparable to the PS Move's quality from a, from that quality standpoint, right? And the PS3 having a much higher resolution. The Wii version's capped at 480p. PS3 version could go higher than this. And this game looks visually similar to Zelda Wind Waker, which you're well familiar with. Great visual art style, you know? Um, but it plays out with this painting gameplay combat. And if you're interested in it, I would check out some videos before purchasing it. Very unique title, but I think you'll instantly understand whether or not this is something for you. Um, now going into this, the next one, we mentioned Ratchet and Clank earlier, and there's a few titles that are available on both, uh, disc and digital and Ratchet and Clank Collection has uh, the PS2 titles in a nice little collected bundle that you can purchase. There's also the PS3 version of Tools of Destruction, Full Frontal Assault, All for One, which was a nice, fun little four-player co-op game. It's not the best of the Ratchet and Clank like whole series, if you ask me, but it's fun for co-op. And then, in my opinion, the best Ratchet and Clank PS3 game, Into the Nexus. Into the Nexus is one of the more action-packed, straightforward games you can it's like a fun little action roller coaster that you go through compared to some of the the other Ratchet and Clank games. Because Ratchet and Clank was really more known for being a platformer sort of combat game. And Into the Nexus is definitely leaning more towards the action and less on the platformer side. So Ratchet and Clank, you know, Collection, which is the PS2 titles, Tools of Destruction, Full Frontal Assault, and Into the Nexus are single player games. And then All for One is the co-op game. I'd recommend it if you want to check it out. Um, but, but yeah, into the Nexus, if you're thinking about buying one, I would recommend the Nexus for sure. Now, Resistance Fall of Man, this was very similar to the Gears of War series. And personally, I felt like it was released to kind of compete with that sort of narrative. Uh, but Resistance Fall of Man, which is the first game, to me was the best game in the series. It had a very approachable combat a, and a decent story, you know, taking, taking place in Britain and... You know, if you're interested in that sort of narrative, Resistance 3 was also enjoyable. It was very similar to the first Prey title, but the plot for that was really more of a downer, whereas, you know, the first Resistance game was more action and, like, you felt more badass than Resistance 3. 
Um, there also was Resistance 2, but personally, that was really more of an online game. Um, and even then, wasn't as strong. Like Sony had two major franchises that one was like kind of competing with Halo, one was competing with Gears of War. This is the one with like the giant with like the alien invasion, right? It was a Resistance Fall Man. Yeah, yeah. The other one you're thinking of is Killzone Two. Yeah, Killzone Two. Okay. Uh, I think it was Killzone that had the move the multiplayer levels with that were always interactive, right? Or was it Resistance? Uh, remember, like there was one that we used to play. We were on a train. The level's literally a moving train, and you had to watch where you were at on the train. That's Killzone too. Yeah, the okay. multiplayer. Yeah, was was pretty right. cool in the environment. So, not related to Resistance Fall, man. I've never played Resistance Fall at yeah. all. Then <laughs> I get those two mixed up because I know those were the main competitors for like some direct Microsoft games, like Gears of War and Halo. Yeah, Resistance really became known for its co-op. Um, uh, okay. which was which was pretty decent at the time, really. Uh, now it feels a little outdated, I would say. Um, They're not making them anymore, so... Yeah. Killzone, the reason why it's not really on this list is, you know, once the servers are, are gone, it's really not that strong of a campaign. It's cool to look at, but, you know, graphics have since then been upgraded quite heavily. At the time it was released, it was visually amazing, you know. Um, but since then, it's not as strong. I would say Killzone 2 I'd recommend if you're more of a completist collector of the PS3. Um, but Resistance Fall of Man, it's a fun game to kind of play play through from an action standpoint if you like first-person shooters. Um, so this game is well-known amongst the horror community as Siren Blood Curse and easily is one of the best horror games ever released on a gaming console. However, for some reason, it was never released on disc outside of Europe and Japan. So if you're in the U.S., you're pretty much limited to the PlayStation Store, which unfortunately breaks the game up into multiple parts. You have to buy, I believe it's parts 1 through 12, to get the whole game digitally. You do have the ability to import it, by the way. You know, I have the the European version on disc, which does support English. I apologize for not knowing if the Japanese one does. But the European one definitely does. But the problem with this game is if you want to own it on disc, it's going for upwards of 50 bucks right now when I looked it up on eBay because A, you have to import it from outside the U.S. into the U.S. So you pay a hefty shipping cost. Um, and it's just a limited supply. So the digital copy is probably the better option for most players. I recommend purchasing it. Um, I'm trying to remember what I, I did check out the price. I can't remember if it was 20 or 30 bucks right now, but 20 or 30 bucks for this game is definitely worth it. I would say if you're a horror fan, um, really creepy, you know, you're basically a news team going out into this creepy, you know, forest area of Japan and you're trying to figure out what's going on. And it basically becomes more and more dangerous for you as these weird things are kind of happening. Um, I would say in terms of the the enemies, it, it really reminded me a lot of Resident Evil 4, which is a great game as well. Um, but Siren Blood Curse, definitely a great horror game. Um, highly recommended. And like, like I said, if you're in the U.S., you want to save some money, I would get the digital version. Um, but you could also get the disc version as well. And speaking of Japanese games, Tokyo Jungle. Dude, man, this is a weird game. Uh, you basically play as animals in a world where humans have gone extinct. This is more of a niche title, but I'd check it out if you're interested. You're basically taking the role of an animal and you're traversing Japan as an animal in this abandoned world of humans. Yeah, it's definitely one of those art house titles that we talked about, but like this had a lot of this had a lot of news cycles for some reason when it came out. I remember a lot of people talking about this game. So it's definitely there as one of those unique experiences. Definitely an artsy type game. Um but 
if you're a collector of video games and likes to play them, like this is definitely one you should have in your collection. Yeah. And this last title on the list, the Yakuza series, which is really four games, Yakuza 3, 4, 5, and Dead Souls. Now, this is often considered to be Sega's spiritual successor to the Shenmue series, uh, which was on the uh, Yakuza... Um, Yakuza started on the PlayStation 2 consoles, right? And they're really fun games that take place in Japan. You explore the city, take on some very weird tasks, meet some very strange characters, and then you have this combat style that's kind of like... Um, you know, Sega having access to Virtual Fighter, they kind of employed a lot of that Virtual Fighter combat in in the Yakuza series, just like they did with Shenmue. So you really have this cool fighting various baddies and goofing off sort of, you know, like you said, the early life simulator, right? This is a bit of a life simulator, but you have combat. This game does not take itself seriously for the most part. Oh, no, it definitely has a lot of the goofy Japanese, like, stereotypes and, like, TV kind of, kind of personalities that you would that you would see in Japan. Um, I will say though, uh, all the, all these games are in Japanese with subtitles. Uh, it's a developer's choice because he wanted the games to feel more like a foreign film. So like there is no English version of them. The only game in English is Yakuza like a, uh, like a dragon that just recently came out on the newer consoles. Uh, but that one also plays a lot differently. All the games that we're talking about here, the three, four, five, uh, even Kawhi one and two that are all out. The entire series um, has a virtual fighter action gameplay as you're playing it, where um, like a dragon has a um, like Final Fantasy turn base fighting, and that's very much to what the game is trying to parry. Where I think in like a dragon, the main character's like big thing was he liked to play uh dragon quest games so the gameplay in the game is like a dragon quest game where it's a turn-based action um because they do so many parodies and so many like weird japanese cultural call outs all these games are very fun but it's lots of it's lots of reading and it's lots and lots of story that they go on in these games it's not short cut scenes it's like a lot of exposition and story happening constantly as your character gets different quests so Definitely entertaining, but prepare yourself if you haven't played them before. Um, they are the whole series is also on uh, other platforms now. This was one of the big things that Sony had over everyone else. Like, if you wanted to play a Yakuza game, you had to buy a PlayStation. Unfortunately, that's not true anymore for them because uh, you can get everything now on Xbox and elsewhere. I guess their exclusivity dot, uh, deal ended, so Sony's putting it out where so everybody can play it now. Um, but these are definitely fun games, so definitely check out the Yakuza series. Yeah, and Ian, in a previous podcast, he had mentioned that a lot of these Yakuza games are now on Game Pass if you own an Xbox as well. So if you're interested, you could always check those out and then check these out as well because they're, they're pretty similar aside from the one you mentioned with the churn-based combat. And Dead Souls is personally my favorite, but I'm also a fan of Zombies. So, you know, kind of keep that in mind that Dead Souls is kind of its own niche title, kind of like Red Dead had Undead Nightmare. It's just kind of in that same sort of vein. Um, Yeah, yeah, good points on, on Yakuza. Really fun games. Now, we can't complete this conversation without discussing a few of the games that are disc-only titles to be released on the PS3, some of which are essentially the only way you'll ever be able to experience these titles, as the PS3 came with a relatively small hard disk drive. You know, the original one was 20 gigs, and they had another one with 40, I believe, 60 gigs, and then other varieties afterwards. I have the Super Slim, which came with a 500 gig uh, hard drive. Now, the reason I bring this up is 
Because of the small hard drive space, Sony didn't really think about offering these digitally, right? Digital releases was kind of a big thing initially on the 360 during this era. So PS3 was kind of late to the game when it came to competition with this in mind, which is why they had later versions of their consoles released with a bigger drive. So that meant that these Blu-ray discs, which can range up to 50 gigabytes, couldn't really be downloaded that easily. Bear in mind, too, internet speeds weren't as big as they are now, right? So downloading 50 gigs, man, you probably had to leave your PS3 on for like a day. <laughs> so, you know, so bear in mind with this next list, these games just never really saw a digital release. And I'm not sure if maybe some of these games did exist on the store. A lot of games have been pulled over time. So if I had to recommend some disc-only games to you, one game I would love to recommend, probably the most over this whole list, this is a personal a personal preference, is Buzz Quiz TV and Buzz Quiz World. Easily, in my opinion, this is the best quiz game ever made. The host makes fun of you when you suck. <laughs> There's licensed references and images and music and video clips, both from films and music. There's a ton of great DLC that's related to trivia items such as horror films, underwater creatures, rock music, dinosaurs, science fiction. Uh, if you pick up Buzz Quiz World, you can also buy four more buzzers and have eight players. Whereas the, you know, Buzz Quiz TV, that's just four players. It's also worth adding that there's a downloadable only version, which you can use with the DLC, which is um, Buzz Quiz Player. You can get this through the PlayStation Store for free. You just don't get you don't get anything else with it. You have to buy the DLC to have something to play with it. You also don't have as, in my opinion, BuzzQuiz World had the best presentation. Um, so kind of bear that in mind when you're thinking about which one you want to get. Uh, but these are unfortunately disc only. So BuzzQuiz World, BuzzQuiz uh, TV, really great quiz games. I mean, Ian, I don't know if we ever played this at my. Oh, house, we played but... it before, but like this is one of those games where. Um, we're gonna have to go to the thrift store so you can find the buzzards. Uh, they definitely <laughs> help uh, get the immersive disc in it. <clears throat> but a definitely a uh, great uh, trivia game. It was only on PlayStation, the only place you could play it. So get that uh, trivia experience. Get the buzzards and play this with friends. Uh, next game on our list is Chronicles of Riddick: Escape from Butcher Bay and Dark Athena. Uh, if there's ever a game Vin Diesel should be promoting, it should have been this man because the Chronicles <laughs> Riddick games were actually really, really good. And like really high quality for when they came out, um, and great uh, like first person gameplay and storytelling. It's just uh, Chronicles of Riddick the movie was really kind of meh, and nobody liked it. Um, and the the, uh, the Escape from Butcher Bay and Darker Thing kind of were trying to link themselves to Chronicles of Riddick because they thought it was gonna be a really big movie, but instead it bombed. <laughs> <laughs> so there's like one cutscene in, in the very beginning. It's like just ignore that. But the Escape from Butcher Bay, which is what happened before uh, the events of the movie uh, Pitch Black, basically, and then Dark Athena is what happens right after uh, Pitch Black, rolling into Chronicles of Riddick. So uh, definitely check that out. I mean that and that's a game. And like if I could get that on Xbox, I'd go and get it. But I think I have. Uh, a disc version of it, but I can only play it on the, on the 360. Yeah, it's also on 360, but I, I felt like they put some extra add-ons to the PS3 version that, in my opinion, just barely edged it out. But, you know, personal preference, definitely highly recommended for those that weren't able to play, especially Butcher Bay, like you mentioned. That's an amazing game. It came out on the original Xbox. You get to play it at a much higher resolution on the PS3. 
Yeah, and um, you can't, like I said, like Xbox fans, that's not backwards compatible. We can't play that game. So if you have a PS3 and you find this disc, find it. It's it's definitely worth it. Totally, yeah. And uh, the next game on this list here, Heavy Rain. It's a very touching story, very much memed game <laughs> about a father looking for his missing son. And if you own a PlayStation Move and you, you're you really into deep stories and branching paths, I can't recommend this enough. Um, there, it, It's tough to really describe this title when you use it with the Move. Um, I know a lot of people play this with the controller, but when you play it with the Move, you kind of would open the door with the Move. And I know it might seem a bit excessive to kind of go through those motions in this game, using one hand with the navigation analog and then another one with the Move to kind of do these motions. But it really was cool to immerse yourself in the story that way and beat it. The, I beat it the second time with the move. The first time I beat it with a controller. Really cool to play it with the move. And if you are going to get it, this is important. The Taxidermist DLC, this adds additional content to the game, which definitely enhances the story. I'd recommend you purchase that as well. Um, I already bought it, so I couldn't look up the price. And I can't look this up on the web. Like The web store is down, as, as, as Ian was telling me earlier before we jumped on this podcast. So... You have to look on the console and see. I want to say it's five bucks, but it might be ten dollars. But definitely worth adding if you have the heavy rain disc and you want that extra story. Yeah, this is from this is from a game studio that that this is a very different type of game, right? It's definitely looking to if you've never played it. Um, it's like uh, it's from the same studio that uh, brought you um, Two Human, I think, or not Two Human. Whatever that uh, Android game is. Beyond Two Souls was the the second game after. Beyond Two Souls was the one that this? was on PlayStation Four with the Androids. Oh my god! I forget what it was called, but basically these are interactive movies. They're not video games where you have action sequences or you shoot guns or anything like that. They literally are kind of like interactive puzzle and movie games that you're watching a story for. I can't believe you beat Heavy Rain twice. I was it's kind of depressing. <laughs> I can only play through it once, and I fucked up. I like did every decision correctly until the very last action sequence. <laughs> And then I fucked up everything <laughs> for every story being told in this game because I got the bad ending for everybody. And it's just like, crap, I don't want to go back through all this again because the ending of the game is fairly long because you're it wraps up everything that's been going on in the stories you're watching. So, like, I was just too emotionally drained to go back through that again and try not to fuck it up. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a good point. I would actually add with this title is it's really great from a story perspective, but man, it beats your soul down. And but it's so good, you know. I can't, I can't really explain it in a it's way. It's like Old Boy, well. dude. Everybody will tell you to go watch the movie Old Boy, but Old Boy is so depressing. I've only ever watched it once, but I can agree it's a really good movie. But I don't want to recommend it to be able to watch. <laughs> <laughs> Heavy Rain is a really good game, really cool mechanics, really really cool storytelling. Um, but again, is a depressing fucking story to where like i don't want to play it again um but i think the studio is called quantum dream or something uh quantum dream yeah quantum yeah. dream quantum dream yeah all their games from indigo prophecies to the newest one that we can't remember the name of um are all like this they're interactive movies um so definitely a different type of gameplay but a good one to check out yeah, and I'm trying to look up that game real quick because you're you're definitely right. That that, that latest PlayStation game was really good. Um, good lord, it's gonna kill me. We should just look this up real quick. Just look up Quantum Dream. Detroit Become Human. Yeah, Detroit Become Human. That's what it was. Become Human. Yeah, yeah. Really uh, great PS4 game. Yeah. So again, very story driven, very much interactive movie, but worth doing. 
Uh, yeah. Heavy Rain is where like they figured out the formula, I think, really well. Yeah, it literally was the next title after Indigo Prophecy, or or if you're a European player, you know it by the name Fahrenheit, um, which had a little extra content that was considered too scandalous for U.S. players. But um, it was a great evolution going from Indigo Prophecy to Heavy Rain. Really great game. Um, this next game is also kind of in that same sort of evolutionary era of what the PS3 really gave us, and that's Metal Gear Solid 4. And People are a bit mixed on this one, and I could honestly understand why, because it has more cutscenes than gameplay. I think it's <laughs> like a two-hour ending credit ending cutscene, I think, for the game. You know, I'm, I don't know, because I was hitting start so much <laughs> when I beat it. I beat this game five times. I'm not going to deny it. I, I can't really believe love you this game. it that much, dude. Oh, my God. I could barely get through it. I mean, like, like here's the thing. like Me, personally, Kojima games and like Metal Gear Solid franchise, their story is so wacko. That's why I can't play them. But I can't appreciate that they usually look really, really good. They're always the best tech of the time. Um, but the stories are always ass shit crazy. <laughs> and they're just it's just weird. And like that's why I, like this is the game like Metal Gear Solid 2, they break the fourth wall with like the last mission and Snake saying, Hey, I have infinite ammo and it's really weird and the story goes in a really weird place to where it's like, Wow, that's just too crazy. Metal Gear Solid 4 is like that all the way through, where like he literally says after he kills a character, you're giving me her backstory now, so I feel sorry for her. Well, I already killed her. I'm like, yeah, why are we telling the story this way? It's just weird. <laughs> yeah, Metal Gear Solid 4 in many ways kind of felt like Kojima's goodbye to the Metal Gear series, and yet he still made more. Um, but Metal Gear Solid 4, yeah, Ian's not lying. It is just like super wacky. I mean, the characters in it are super super Japanese in terms of how strange that they take them and the directions that they develop the characters narratives. But I personally would recommend it to those who really like, you know, good music. Um, I'm forgetting the guy's name. It's like Harry Gregson Williams, amazing soundtrack. Um, the action's really solid. The stealth gameplay is a lot of fun. Uh, one of the mechanics of this game that was so interesting is he had camouflage that would adapt his environment. So if he laid down against something that was concrete uh, in about a, a few seconds, it would then adapt to look like the concrete, except for his head, of course, right? His face and whatnot. But it was really cool watching this gameplay pan out. It was really ahead of its time in many ways. Um, yeah, but like I said, crazy uh, storyline, <laughs> an hour and a half long cutscene for the ending cutscene in this game. Um, and if you want to stare at a, at a butt, the entire time moving on the ground. That's basically when I bought this game, the, the chick who was selling me at the camera was like, I hope you like butts. Cause you'd be staring at snakes, butt the whole time. <laughs> and she wasn't wrong. You're crawling around with a, with a marvelously, marvelously crafted ass wiggling on the ground as you, as you use your stealth. Um, yeah. Ch- chiseled old man ass at that. Right. So if you, if you like Metal Gear Solid games, you're going to like this one, get it. It's a staple of the franchise, uh, right up there with uh snake eater, um, as being one of like, the most in-depth uh, Metal Gear Solid games. I think they're all crazy, but they definitely have good graphics and good gameplay. Yeah, and, and speaking of some great games that came out of Japan, Nier. And Nier is spelled N-I-E-R. And our friend M was actually the one that told me about this game and how much of a fan she was, which made me check it out in the first place. And I never beat it. I really need to go back and beat this game. But it's a, it's a bit of a longer title, and I, I just haven't had the time to play these type of games. It's time, a really, but... really long title. 
because uh, like yeah. you you don't did you you didn't play near Automata then either, right? No, I did not. All right, so uh, just like near Automata, this game has multiple endings, which means you have to play through it multiple times to get to them. Um, the interesting thing though is that um, this version, uh, depending on where you're at, uh, I don't know the, if it's in the U.S. It's going to be the near Gestalt version, which was different from what the Japanese version was. And the main differences was, and the thing that like Emma always called out to us is like the American and European version, they gave you a big buff character to play as instead of a skinny anime kid, where the original <laughs> version, the character is a skinny anime kid. Um, but I don't believe you get to play that version of it uh, on this one. Now, what's coming out here soon, I think at the end of April, is Near Replicant, which is kind of a remaster remake of this game. Uh, on newer consoles, but it's the, technically the Japanese version, which gives you the entire story. And uh, I think you don't have this like big buff, buffed up character uh, that uh, the American version has. There's those little differences to it, but it's also one of those games where, like, if you play Near Automata, it not Near Automata has 26 different endings to play through. You need to play it over and over Jesus. and over again to get all the different endings. Now, Near Automata does something different with it where it's like not all the endings are like play through the entire game. Like one ending is if you take a quest and you do this thing that they say is going to kill you and you do it, you die game over. That's one of the, that's one of the endings. <laughs> I think it's like, it's literally like you eat a fish and like, Oh, well we can't eat fish cause we're androids and it will kill us. You eat it, you die game over. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can redo your save to where you get, where you can continue playing through the game from where you left off and get different endings. Um, so like, Nier does the same thing where it has different choices and you can play through it once you'll get one ending and then you'll play through it again maybe as a different character that has now let you play through their story until you get the whole thing. That's one of the things that Nier kind of brings to the uh, game industry was that it wasn't only just your choices kind of mattered. It was not only to, to get you get a whole story playing through it once, but to get the entire story and the full perspective, you need to at least play through it I think <clears throat> two or three times. Because you'll play through it not as the same character, usually as somebody else in the story, and get their point of view, and they get different and get more content out of it. Yeah, definitely a title for those who like long RPG type of games. Yeah, I, that's why I never beat it honestly. And I, if I went back, I'd have to start from the beginning because I wouldn't know what I'd done. <laughs> and that's this kind of thing, like I'm playing through Nier Automata. I beat, I beat it once, but I'm going through the second gameplay, and I and I dropped it trying to get back into him like. I don't know what happened. Do I need to replay this again from the very beginning to, <laughs> before I can jump into it again for the second time? Yeah, it's a definitely a marathon game. Now, this next game, I personally really love the art style. I'd rather watch someone play it than play it myself. But Nino Kuni: Wrath of the Witch. This was a great collaboration between Studio Ghibli and and, a, and game development studio. And it has that Studio Ghibli, Ghibli artistic style to it, right? They, they kind of have a unique anime style that's really unique unto that studio. And this is an RPG turn-based game that has a lot of charm to it. The art style alone makes this worth considering. But if you like turn-based combat, you like Studio Ghibli's art styles and their kind of narratives, I would definitely check this one out. Um, our buddy Will, he was a big fan of this game. And I want to say they made a sequel to this game later on. Yeah, I think they did. Um, I was about to say, I think this is a franchise. Um, and Studio Ghibli, if you don't know what we're talking about, it's like uh, Spirited Away, um, Howl's Moving Castle, that type of animation. And this game is literally just that animation 
that smooth, like really nice type animation with gameplay elements mixed into it. So it's like watching or playing a cartoon, which like whenever like like we're out and like we're we're drinking, we're getting we're getting fucked up, dude. The first thing I want to do is I want to pl- play or watch a cartoon. This is the type of game you want to play. Like this is up there with the, at least like immersing you in the cartoon world. It's up there with like how Borderlands does that and how um, uh, No Need Kuni does it is really really well. It's like living a Studio Ghibli game uh, or movie, so it's really good. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. It's definitely like playing an anime for sure. Um, speaking Which, of that's 2D, like a, yeah, I would say like playing the playing the anime and playing the cartoon. That's a very kind of unique feel that games have to have to give you that. And not a lot of them pull that off. Like, there's a lot of anime-style games that do 3D animation with it, and it just doesn't feel right. Like, if you want to feel like you're playing an anime, No Nini Kuni, like, is definitely that type of game. Borderlands is like that. Um, Zelda Wind Waker is like that. And um, last one I'm thinking of is... Man, I can't even think of it. But, like, there are very few games where you feel like you're playing a cartoon, and this is definitely one of them. It's a unique experience. Yeah, and, and this next title in our list is a, a great Capcom 2D fighting game, Rival Schools. Similar to Street Fighter, great addition to a fighter, fighting player's collection. I, I really would recommend it to those type of players. It's a lot of fun. I'm not sure how familiar you are with Rival Schools. They made two of these titles. I've heard um, of them, and they're fighting games, um, but that's all I know about, about it. Yeah, and I want to say one of them came out on Dreamcast. Uh, I think the sequel was called Project Justice. Um Really good fighting games. I would highly recommend it to a good uh, a person who really likes fighting games. Very distinct from the typical Street Fighter, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure type of games. Um, now, this next one is kind of an interesting one because the game is Time Crisis Raising Storm, and I think it came with Time Crisis 4. But that's not the reason I bought this game. I bought this game because, as far as I know... It's the only way you can get access at home to the amazing arcade shooter known as Dead Storm Pirates. Dead Storm Pirates is in like Dave and Buster's, you know, your Sega arcades, things of that nature, right? And to my knowledge, this is the only release that made it to home consoles. And it's such a great game. You play it with the PlayStation Move. You can have two players play at a time. And you're, you know, Virtual Cop, for example, you're kind of playing on the streets or in a car. And in this game, Dead Storm Pirates, you're basically traveling through water and things of that nature. And there's, I want to say, three main levels and then a boss boss area. Um, it's been a while since I've played this game because, honestly, this so game this like, is so hard. This is like a mixture of like Sea of Thieves and like a cabinet shooter. It's uh well you know if you have if you know how Time Crisis is right that Namco yeah. shooter it's like yeah. that that Time Crisis sort of world but in a pirate world. Oh, cool. So, like, you're a pirate with, uh, and, like, the big thing with Time Crisis was it had the duck and cover mechanic. Uh, with the arcades, there, there's always a pedal there that you push that you step on to duck down or, or not, um, which was unique for the Time Crisis arcade here. So, they bring that experience to the console. That's actually really cool. And seeing it in a, with a pirate skin, this is probably a rare gem out there. So, if you can get your hands on this, get your hands on this. And this is a game that will be worth money. Uh, in the future, probably as being like, "Hey, they don't make this anymore. This never existed anywhere else." Type of thing. Yeah, it's a really tiring game, and I'm trying to remember because it's been a while since my wife and I've played it. 
but I don't believe there's a dodge mechanic with the pedals like Time Crisis. When you play it in the arcades, you have these big harpoon controllers, right? And you kind of grab them with the left and right hand at the same time, and you kind of maneuver it around on screen with two players. Or it's, was it not harpoons? Uh, cannons. Sorry, cannons. So you you have to like literally shoot everything before it hits you, and that's why this game is so hard. You you actually have to beat it over and over again to unlock more lives, so you can get further and further into the game. So there's a lot of I would definitely say this might be a little more grindy than your typical shooter, but I really love this game in the arcade. It's one of those loud and banging arcade shooters that you would play, and it's a lot of fun. And when I actually saw this, I had to buy it. I mean, I don't know what it's going for now, but I, I paid about 50 bucks like a few years back, you know. Um, I would just recommend it. Yeah, it's, it's Time Crisis Raising Storm. It comes with Time Crisis 4. And it comes with Deadstorm Pirates. Deadstorm Pirates never saw a digital release. I double-checked it. There is no digital release. This literally just came on as an added content to the disc release. So check that out if you like them. If you have PS moves, you have two PS moves, you like gun games, highly recommend it, especially like arcade shooters. Now, speaking of shooters, this last game here on the list is kind of a mixed one, but I personally would recommend it. If you're type of if you're a Max Payne type of fan, and that's Stranglehold, which was a game produced by John Woo, the combat is a bit of a mixed experience. Definitely not as polished as Max Payne, but it's still fun to play, and it does come with a free copy of the Hong Kong action film Hard Boiled, which is cool to watch before you play the game because Stranglehold is really a story that taps into Detective Tequila. You know, which is interesting it's watching a sequel the guy. Or a prequel to Hard Boiled. I think it's a sequel, right? I want to say it's a sequel, yeah. I'm yeah. trying to remember myself, but I want to say it's a sequel. Um, it's definitely one of those weird, one of those strange experiences that were back in the day when this came out because it was, here's a game that comes with a movie. Watch the movie, which is a John Woo action film. Like, John Woo action is, like, um, Hard Boil, obviously. Um, or if you're more on the American side of it, John Woo did Face Off. Uh, he did the second Mission Impossible movies. Like the, the the joke of like people jumping and diving while shooting guns and doves <laughs> flying everywhere in slow motion, that's a John Woo movie. So take that crazy over the top action, throw that into a video game. That's what you got with Stranglehold. Uh, use a lot of the slow motion action that you would see in John Woo movies. Like like you said, it's not as polished as Max Payne is, but it gives you that experience. So like if I had just watched like Face Off or or Hardball, obviously. I would go and play this game right afterwards because I get the same experience but more interactivity. Yeah, and, and one thing that's worth noting is John Woo is notorious for having films with dual pistols. So this game is very much dual pistols. And if you're in a film and you know Equilibrium, this is basically Gun Kata. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to lie. The gameplay is Gun Kata. I remember you would, like, lean down a rail and start shooting guys. And I just remember thinking, if I was trying to shoot somebody, would I really run downstairs and lean on it? I don't think so. But you know what? This is a video game. It's suspension of disbelief. It's fun. Might as well play it. You know, it's it's kind of like dumb fun with third-person shooters with two, with two pistols. Yeah, well, another game is kind of a successor of this that... Um... I think it's on PS3. I don't know for sure. I know it's definitely on Xbox, but it's another hard-to-find game uh, that was never digitized is Wet, where it's the same thing, like sliding under tables and shooting people while doing a, like a power slide on your knees, diving through windows and shooting people. And like it's just crazy over-the-top uh, good gameplay. And like Strong, Stranglehold and Wet would be the two games I, I definitely get for those. 
yeah, Wet is on PS3 if you're interested in it. Personally, I would recommend Stranglehold over it. Wet is kind of interesting because it's kind of like this weird... It's like the gun ridiculous game combat of Stranglehold, but the presentation of a Borderlands is probably the best way I could describe it. Uh, I would say Borderlands just meets... Um... Man, what's... What's what's that those movies called? Grindhouse. It's it's Portland meets Grindhouse mm, movie yes. movie presentation uh with Stranglehold action. So it's definitely like really ridiculous, crazy gun gunplay and a fun game to play. Um and then like last stuff we wanted to mention because is also the PSP uh and PS Vita stores closing as well. Um the Persona one through four titles are there, so like we mentioned Persona before. Uh, if you like the Persona games, like I said, people who like those games go back and they play all of them. Uh, so 1 through 4 is available on the PSP uh, Vita store. And another game that they did remaster for PS4 and the sequels on PS4 is uh, Gravity Rush. This is just a kind of a cool gameplay premise where it has a little bit of that anime art style in it, but it's not as polished as like Persona 5 uh, art style is. Um, but the cool concept was... Your character who can fly around this world, but you're not really flying anywhere. You're falling. Like she can change her grab where gravity's pulling and pushing her. So like as you fight in combat, it's you're falling into things. You're falling into into enemies or hitting them, or you're flying uh, from one platform to another. But through her, the animation of her falling through stuff. So it's just a cool visual, I thought, and it's actually a lot of fun to play. I played. Uh, Gravity Rush 2, I thought that was like, wow, this is actually really fun. I like that concept of the character falling instead of flying. Yeah, and it had really good controls on the Vita. If you're a Vita player, you've you've always known that the Vita has these weird touch controls, especially that weird texture on the back of the center of the controller that you can touch to kind of make things happen on the screen on just facing you, right? This game really did a good job, I think, of using everything accessible from a from really a peripheral controller standpoint on the Vita. Gravity Rush is the poster child, I would say, of a great Vita game. Um, there's a lot of other great Vita games that you can pick up in the store. I would definitely check it out, but you know, when we were discussing this, we're really console players, but Gravity Rush is a great game. Persona 1 through 4 are very fun. Um, so we, we felt like it would be incomplete of us to discuss it. Given that, you know, PSP store is going to go offline on July 2nd of this year. And then, of course, in August, that's when the Vita store is going to go offline. Now, again, all, all the disc only games, you're going to have to try and find those off of eBay or importing or some or game or your GameStop stores or like thrift stores where people might have uh, turned them in because they're going to be a lot harder to find. Um, and again, you, otherwise, the digital stuff, you're going to have to log in with these actual devices because the online store no longer Hat, uh, sells them there. Uh, since Sony didn't like invest in a lot of backwards compatibility, it's not like with Xbox where you can go and like, all right, cool, here's the 360 version. I'm going to buy that and they'll start downloading for you. Um, they since they shut down those stores now, it's on the webpage. It's just PS4 and PS5 and VR stuff. I think. Uh, yeah, so that's correct. Get this stuff now while you can, um, because once they're gone digitally, you're never going to be able to have access to them unless they remake them or. PlayStation suddenly invests heavily in old, old uh, backwards compatibility. I think if they're going to start doing backwards compat, they're only going to go from PS4 and the few PS3 titles that they've worked with. Everything else, they're either going to do with their streaming service, which is kind of meh, because the online service was meh to begin with, but it was one of the best ones at the time. <laughs> um, but still, it's not as receptive as like the xCloud stuff has been. I think that's probably been the most impressive um, 
streaming game service has been xCloud so far. And even they're not 100%, but they're the closest to it, I feel. Yeah, some good points there. And and some last things I would kind of say, if you're really looking to make your PS3 last with these games and you're you're going with a more digital approach and let's let's kind of keep the conversation off of the disk drive, right? You can get a USB drive. It has to be FAT32, file archive, file archive type 32 to back up your games. It'll back up not just your saves, but it'll also back up um, your installs of DLC, uh, installs from the disk, and your downloads of all your games. So bear in mind, it has to be FAT32 to back up all your games and your saves and everything. It will not back up your trophies. You will have to separately upload your trophies. That's if you're into trophies. I personally don't care. I'm more into the games myself. But that's just one thing I wanted to mention about that. So if you have a rotary drive, you could always slap it, like get an upgraded one terabyte laptop drive, 2.5 inches, right? SATA, drop it in there. You have a USB with the latest, um, essentially the operating system of the PS3. It'll go ahead and install it off the USB, put in your USB, and you can ha- basically restore all your games, all your saves, all the content off of that USB. Another thing I would like to mention about this is if you're looking to have a redundancy system, you can have your games licensed to two PS3 consoles, but only two. So if you're interested in this stuff, and you're interested in buying a second PS3, you can do that and have your games on that console licensed as well. Uh, But you can back up all of this stuff for longevity's sake onto a SATA 2.5-inch hard drive. Um, And I honestly, one other thing I would probably add on to this specific subject of about backing up your PS3 is if you're going to do this with your PS3, I do not recommend an SSD. Um, we're working on a separate podcast, which I'm spending a lot of time doing research on. So it's going to come out sometime in the future. But if you're going to use a SSD drive on your PS3, it will not take long for the the essentially the OS to start failing. Um, I'm not going to get into the technical aspects of it, but I'll just say this, that if you're looking for longevity with your PS3, I would personally recommend a network access storage hard drive, an NAS hard drive, possibly like a Western Digital and just get that in there at 5,400 RPM. That's going to be your best bet for likely keeping your PS3 running for a long time before that drive eventually gives up. Because these rotary drives don't last forever, right? They're not like SSDs, but unfortunately... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> we can attest to this. And like you said, but, we'll go more in depth with all this stuff when we go... Well, either it'll either be a video series or a podcast or something. I think it might be, need to lead more to a video because this stuff gets real technical. Um, but we have a whole concept of uh, maintaining and upgrading retro hardware from the 8-bit all the way up to the newer consoles. Um, so we'll get that put together for you in the future. But this is so far, this is our show for this week. Thank you for listening. You can find us on all, everywhere you find podcasts at. Um, so hit us up there and please subscribe and like. And you can also find us at forthrightgaming.com. There you'll find all our social media stuff as well as our Twitch streams um, and all our YouTube videos, again, at forthrightgaming.com. Come check us out. Please like and subscribe. Uh, help us out. And feel free to comment and let us know. And we'll actually have this uh, particular podcast. We'll have this up as an article as far as the different the list of games here that you can get uh, either disc-only, digital, uh, so you guys can reference that as well. All right? Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for your support. Have a good one.